Today is Monday, April 18th. The title for our devotional is Death Before Life. If you remember, our campaign right now is called The Pursuit. We're talking about how we can pursue healthy personal growth in a self-absorbed world. We're beginning this campaign the first few weeks by exploring who we are according to Scripture. So far, we've seen that we are created in the image of God, given dignity and calling as stewards of creation. Although we are created in the image of God, we are not God. We are mortal, dust and ashes, without life in and of ourselves, therefore dependent on God for our life. Our nature is also fallen, so we shouldn't trust ourselves in determining who we are and what we should pursue with our lives. Instead, we must fear God and follow his word and his way. Up till this point in the campaign, the application has been equally applied to all people. This week, we diverge to separate the application from those who are among the elect, the people of God, those in Christ, those who believe in Jesus, from those who do not believe in Jesus. On Good Friday, we talked about the relationship between death and resurrection. To experience resurrection life, we must first experience death. Jesus teaches this principle in John chapter 12 as he is nearing the cross. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 23, says, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The seed is a common image that Jesus uses often in his teaching. In an agricultural society, this is an image just about everyone would be familiar with. The idea is simple. A seed being planted in the ground is com- comparable to death, a return to the dust. But that is not the end of the story. The seed then sprouts and produces more seeds. So death leading leads to multiplication of life. This is the image Jesus is working with here. Jesus is, at first, speaking of his death on the cross and glorification. That would be his resurrection, soon to come. This principle of death as a necessary condition for life is fundamentally seen in Jesus. He died and was resurrected. Through this death and resurrection, all of those who believe in him are brought into the life of God. Jesus then makes a statement that he repeats often in his ministry in various forms. We'll see more of them tomorrow. Thereby furthering the application of this principle to his disciples, albeit in a slightly different way. He says anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The image is a simple one. If we love our life now, we'll explore further what this means tomorrow. We are like a farmer who keeps a single seed in hand, cherishing it and never planting it in the ground. This of course is foolish. Everyone knows if he plants it, it will produce many more seeds. This replication of seeds is comparable to the eternal life available to those who hate their life in this world, as Jesus says. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on the book of John, sums this idea up well. He says, The person who loves his life will lose it. It could not be otherwise. 
For to love one's life is a fundamental denial of God's sovereignty, of God's rights, and a brazen elevation of self to the apogee of one's perception, and therefore an idolatrous focus on self, which is the heart of all sin. He goes on, such a person loses his life, that is, causes his own perdition. By contrast, the one who hates his life, the love-hate contrast reflects a Semitic idiom that articulates fundamental preference, not hatred on some absolute scale. Says the one who hates his life will keep it for eternal life. This person denies himself, or to use another of Jesus' metaphors, takes up his cross daily. That is, he chooses not to pander to self-interest, but at the deepest level of his being declines to make himself the focus of his interest and perception, thereby dying. Jesus then proceeds to live out the principle in its fullest form. To, quote, hate one's life is ultimately to submit to the will of God above one's own will. Jesus says in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus' greatest longing here is beyond his own self-promotion, preservation of his life, and his own desire to live, quote, the good life. His greatest longing is to do the Father's will, and in doing this, he finds eternal life. D.A. Carson says on this as well, these choices cannot be acts of mere self-abnegation. Self must be displaced by another. The endless, shameless focus on self must be displaced by focus on Jesus Christ, who is the supreme revelation of God. For reflection today, I invite you to think of the image of the seed as dying to yourself. Then think of the crop produced from one seed. Think of a corn stalk, because at least that's what I think of. If another plant comes to mind, think of that. As a kid, I remember running through the rows of corn, picking ears off of the stalk. It's crazy to think how many seeds one seed of corn produces. How foolish it would be to keep one seed and not plant it. It's way more foolish to cling to your own life, foregoing the eternal life available in Jesus. So today for reflection, just picture that image and get that idea in mind as Jesus illustrates here.